TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Waslick. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And before we get into our topic for this week, we actually just wanted to do a little addition to our last week's episode on dairy. Um, We actually got so excited about the topic that we forgot to tell you or maybe discuss why we don't necessarily think that dairy is a very paleo food. Yeah, and it's pretty simple when you think about it. You know, I'd just like to paint a picture for you. I want you to imagine you're on the, the grass plains in Africa. You're looking across at this, uh, you know, wildebeest. Is it wildebeest in Africa? I think it is. And, uh, and, you know, bear in mind, this isn't like a domesticated cow, right? It's not like a big, fat, slow animal with no oh, horns, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is like a lean, mean, massive horns. And I want you to imagine, in the wild, walking across to it, and trying to milk it, <laughs> trying to actually take, you, you know, push its little baby out the way, and then see if you can get it its milk. Now I don't know about you guys, but but I wouldn't be having a crack at that. I'm pretty no. sure that it, that would kill me, and uh, and I'm I'm not brave enough to go there. I don't think that you would be uh, greeted too kindly by that would be. No. So we talked about getting honey from uh, a from a beehive, yeah. but I think this would be worse and much much harder. Yeah, definitely a lot more uh, life threatening. Look, I think that there is a possibility that we may have occasionally had dairy right so if we were hunting a pack animal we're probably going to pick the weakest of the lot and by far that would be the babies and the nursing mothers um which it's a bit sad but you know that's life we we all do things to survive and um look if we were catching that mother that was nursing and had a um udder full of milk well we're not going to throw that away we're not going to you know cut them up eat everything else and just leave the milk behind we probably would have consumed that because it's a good fat source but it's by and large a very small proportion of what would have made up our daily calories i reckon it might have been maybe once a year you'd come and across i like tell you what i'm not sure that i'd go at the mother like i kind of learned in life like don't get between <laughs> mothers and their babies you know no. that's, that's just not a good idea i could leave the mum alone that's probably a very good point, actually. Well, yeah, and not it, a mum yet. Don't know that defensive yeah. tactic. And if, if, like we think that they do, cavemen had an understanding of how life moved on, they probably wouldn't have actually killed the mother and the baby True. because that would have been the next generation of animals to kill. Maybe. Point. I don't know. Anyways, that's a whole other <laughs> so anthropological discussion. Right. discussion. The point is, not something that our Paleolithic ancestors would have come across and utilized on a daily basis for yeah. breakfast and cereal. And, and I think the follow-up point to that and getting onto our topic now is that they probably wouldn't have replaced it with soy milk either. Definitely. <laughs> so, so what we're going to talk about now is obviously soy products because that's the topic of our show today. And, and legumes as well. And legumes as well. So we thought we might start by talking about um, some of the soy myths. So um, we want to talk about uh, you know the fact that the topic that always comes up with this is why are Asians so healthy? You know, yeah. and it comes up with heaps of these things, whether it it's dairy, whether it's soy, you know, whichever rice. one of these topics is going yeah. to go to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And the, the fact is, I guess, that the Asian diet 
Um, firstly, they actually don't eat as much soy as we tend to think. Or at least didn't. Oh. Well, yeah, perhaps didn't. Yeah, perhaps in their modern lifestyles, maybe they do eat more. But if you look at what they were eating, they say that it was probably about two teaspoons worth of soy. All right. So that's actually not very much soy. It's not Not like it's huge proportions. And then if you actually start looking at the rest of their diet and the rest of their lifestyle, then you really start to paint a different picture and you realize that, well, actually, you know, they're eating lots of other vegetables. You know, they're not eating lots of grains. You know, they're not eating lots of, well, perhaps eating lots of uh, rice, rice, I should say, but yeah. not eating lots of wheat and other more inflammatory grains. Um, you know, they're not eating lots of sugar, lots of processed foods. And you start thinking, well, hang on, maybe there's more to this. You know, maybe it's the fact they do lots of exercise. Maybe it's the fact they actually have really good community environments where they look after their elderly yeah. and have a more, you know, communal environment. So, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons why they might have been healthier. Yeah, and you mentioned sugar, didn't you? Yeah. They, yeah, good. That's a big one, and I was thinking all about that whole rice myth and the carbohydrate thing, and, yeah, I just get a little bit sidetracked when I start thinking about that. It gets me a bit cranky. Um, so, yeah, look, definitely that is something that we come across all the time. Um, I think another big part of soy, um, and this could be a bit controversial, but it's to do with how we manufacture and create soy now. Um, soy is definitely one of the breeds that's one of the biggest uh, GMO foods out there. Uh, if not the biggest, the biggest I think yeah. it's on par with corn. Yeah, basically. and so I heard a statistic that 95% of the world's soy is GMO, which wow. is huge, right? That leaves only which 5% that's genetic not genetically modified. Um, and so the company in charge of that, the one who owns the rights to these, uh, what they're called Roundup Ready Soybeans, which basically means that these beans can grow be absolutely smothered in Roundup, which is a pesticide, and they'll still keep growing, but everything else around them will die. Right, so this, um, these beans are, are the, uh, what's it called, the trademark or the, the copyright of... Pat- patented. Patented, that's the word I'm looking for, by a company called Monsanto. And Monsanto also, interestingly, owns the patent, the copyright to Roundup, the pesticide that gets used on them, which is a sensible thing. You know, you'd think if you're going to make a bean, you're going to make it, you know, usable with your product. Um, but what that means to me is not only are these beans genetically modified, whereby our bodies don't necessarily recognize what the hell that food is when we eat it but secondly because of their very nature they can be absolutely smothered in pesticides many many times throughout their growth process which means that we're going to get exposed to all of those pesticides as well yeah and that's really the point isn't it like the purpose of them creating these genetically modified crops and you know they'll tell you it's like to save the world we're going to make more food but really it's so that they can put more chemicals onto the food than they could before that that just doesn't make any sense to me and you know if you look at i think food inc which we've all watched was an awesome movie and, and where they're talking about also the cross-contamination that then goes on. And that, you know, not only is this a GMO crop, but all the other crops, you know, the, the seeds are blowing in the wind and they're getting cross-contamination between the different crops. And so you end up with virtually nothing left that's not genetically modified, which I don't know about you guys, but I reckon that's pretty scary. Yeah. I think it was Jules Saladin in the Wellness Guys interview painted a glorious picture of that. So what actually happens is when these seeds blow into someone else's um, farm that yeah. that is not uh, owned by Monsanto, owned by Monsanto <laughs> essentially. Or signed right? up. Yeah, uh, signed yeah up with exactly. Monsanto, so if if these seeds blow into someone else's crop, Monsanto can actually what sue, fine, shut down, and shut down these neighboring farms because they claim that they have stolen this patented gene. So I think it was Joel Saladin. Like I said, he painted a picture of like if you own a donkey and the donkey goes into your neighbor's yard and destroys the garden and eats everything in your garden it'd be like the owner of the donkey going and charging the neighbor for 
Oh, uh, oh, sorry. The donkey got sick in that as well. Yeah. <laughs> I told that story really badly. Go listen to the Wellness Guys episode with Joel Saladin. I apologize. Um, the other thing that really concerns me about the GMO crops is that you know one of the advantages of genetic diversity is that it actually creates the ability to to deal with adversity, right? So what happens is when you when you get some adversity, whether it's a climate change, whether it's a new bug that comes through, you know, whatever it is. The fact that you've got diversity in your genetic pool means that there's some proportion of that that can actually survive. Right? So the concern for me is if that you're creating crops where 95% of the crop across the entire world is genetically identical, then if a bug comes in that we can't deal with, that the crop can't deal with, it's actually going to wipe out the lot. And, and that's kind of scary, right? Yeah. Yeah, and look, I think another thing that concerns me about this is is just the pesticide part of it, uh, because those pesticides are then going to be going into our soils, into our waterways, and and who knows where they're going to end up. And there there is so much evidence of the bad stuff that that these chemicals are doing to our genes and to our bodies. And um, you know, I started my health journey with uh, changing what I was cleaning my house with because I discovered that oh, there's all these toxins in our cleaning products, and that's really not good for you. But there's all these toxins in our external world that we have no control over at the moment really luckily in australia because we're an agricultural country um, there's a lot of regulation over the types of pesticides and the amounts that can be used on our crops in australia nowhere near that regulation on our cleaning products which fascinated me and a lot of the products that you use for cleaning in australia are outlawed in european countries which is really interesting i know i'm diverging off the topic but it all starts from soy in my mind right so yeah. and you know, the other thing that scares me about the genetic modification is that really we just don't know like we don't know what that what that genetic modification is going to do to us, right? We know that it allows us to put more pesticides on it, and we're not happy with that. But we don't know whether this genetic modification is actually going to affect the the effect of those foods on our bodies, right? Yeah. We, we, we're just one massive experiment, and we're not going to know for ten, twenty, thirty years down the track when they might go, oh, whoops, you know, sorry. We actually changed that and it actually made it worse for you. And now we realize because all these people are getting sick, but we just don't know. And once again, I come back to that idea of when have we ever taken a natural environment and made it better, right? And I, I find I can't think of an example when we've actually been able to do that, is to take a beautiful, perfect, pristine, natural environment and actually improve on it. So I think the chances are that it's going to make it worse, not better. Um, but the answer, the thing is, we just don't know. So, you know, we don't know about the effect of the genetic modification, but what we do know is some other stuff about the soy and how that affects our bodies. Oh, yeah. what I was just going to say quickly in there was that um, Dr. William Davis talks about that with wheat as well. So he doesn't talk about soy necessarily, but he does talk about the genetic modification of wheat and kind of the, how that impacts the body. So you can kind of extrapolate that a little bit. Yeah, and obviously with the wheat, it's not just the genetic modification, but it's the modification they've had over time of picking different strains and cultivating yeah. and deliberately crossbreeding and things as well but it still has the same you know the same point yeah and William Davis talks about and I'm not sure whether this has happened with soy or not but William Davis talks about not just the selective breeding of wheat but the fact that they exposed it to unnatural um uh, processes like radiation and heat and that sort of thing to see if they could force some mutations that then mm -hmm. they'd take advantage of. And that's sort of how they got around it being called GMO. Um, yeah. Even though it is genetically modified, it was naturally genetically modified yeah, naturally. as far as they were concerned. I don't know about um, you guys, but I'm just picturing like the three-eyed the three fish off of the Simpsons. Like, oh, you know, it's God. like, it's just been naturally genetically modified. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. It occurred in nature, so, therefore it's natural. Uh, no. Let's go on and talk about what else happens with the soy. Because I know, um, you know, one of the big things we want to talk about is the phytoestrogen. And I know, Yana, you were saying you were told at uni that that was a good thing to get extra phytoestrogens in your Yeah, body. yeah, I was taught that, um, that everyone should be having soy, especially women, whether you had 
um, PCOS and were creating too much estrogen or were going through menopause and not having enough estrogen in your body that you should have soy um, because apparently the soy will um, lessen the effects of the estrogen in my body because I had too much and for menopause women who didn't have enough it would replace and that always kind of confused me but yeah. I was like okay well I'm being taught this at uni it's you know fair enough that, that must be right but Really, phytoestrogens behave as estrogens in our body. Um, so, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is if you're thinking of getting off dairy and you want to replace it with soy and you have sons, or if you've got a son and you're going to put him on a soy formula, that's really not a good thing because estrogen isn't something that he should have in his system at that age. It, it is, you know, men do have estrogen in their system, but you don't want to be supplementing it with external stuff. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it kind of comes from the same school of thought that was telling us that HRT was a good idea, yeah. that, you know, adding these extra estrogens is something that we needed and it was going to make us healthy. And it comes from the same school of thought that is teaching you know young girls that they should be having the pill to start regulating their hormones. And you know we just did a great interview on that on the Wellness Guys as well, which I know is coming up soon. And I'm having a blank as to who we interviewed for that, but it's coming up soon on the Wellness Guys. And um, so you know it's that same school of thought thinking we're going to come in and artificially alter our hormones in the body, and that that's going to somehow make it better. And it's just important to look at why are your hormones not functioning properly yeah, to right. begin Absolutely. with. So yeah. that's really what you should be looking at, not how you can you know supplement it with soy. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not, again, I'm going a slightly off topic, but I was reading up on. Um, HRT and McCola had a, an article that was showing that for um, the estrogen HRT on its own, there was a 60% increase in breast cancer. And if you were on it for more than 10 years, it was a 100% increase in breast cancer, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Which, which just kind of clarifies the point, because I've got written down here some of the effects that these phytoestrogens from soy can have on your body. And number one on the list is there's a link with that and breast cancer. Ah. So that just makes perfect sense. So we're talking about links with breast cancer. We're talking about there's been linked with impaired fertility. It's been talked about having effects on babies' sexual development, particularly teenagers' sexual development. So they're now saying that it's causing women to go into their, their sexual development earlier, which we know is happening yeah. in our society, and boys to go into their sexual development later and to mature later, which we know kind of is happening in our society as well. So that's really interesting. Um, it has effects on PMS, on endometriosis, loss of libido. So there's a whole raft of things that this soy has been linked to. And this starts just like we started this episode, even talking about soy formula for babies. So um, we've read a couple of times now, I know once with Nora Gagaudis and on the Food Renegade website and various other sources that it's like giving your child, if you're giving them soy formula, it's like giving them five birth control pills every single day. And wow. I don't know about you, but I think one was enough for most people. <laughs> yeah. More than. Um, so, you know, other things that... Um, oh, actually... Yeah, so we, that's, let's talk about lentils, right? Because soybeans are part of the group of legumes or lentils. Um, and so... Legumes are bean things, right? So they've got, if you're out in the supermarket trying to work out what is a legume, they're beans, lentils, and pulses. Um, so anything that's two parts. And so a lot of nuts that we think are nuts actually fit into this category as well. Um, I believe cashews and peanuts are also legumes. Peanuts, peanuts sure. definitely aren't, yeah. but I believe cashews are as well. I'm, I'll have to double check on that one. Um, but something that they all have in common is phytates, and unfortunately so do nuts. So nuts are quite high in phytates as well, um, which is a component that binds to minerals such as zinc, copper, iron, magnesium, and calcium in your body. And so they're going to draw those things out of your body, which is a bit unfortunate because they're kind of essential. Um, so, you know, 
that's another reason to be leaving those lentils and, and legumes and beans and uh, soy behind and not be eating them. Yeah, and obviously the other one is the lectins. We spoke about those when we talk about the grains as well. And so we know that those lectins are linked with autoimmune immune diseases. They're linked with leaky gut syndrome. So, you know, they're just really damaging for the lining of your gut. Um, so you really want to be thinking about any foods that have got those lectins in them, thinking, well, are these something that I really want to be having a lot of? And, and should I be trying to decrease that in my diet as well? Yeah, and I know definitely for me, um, when I do have legumes, because I used to love chickpeas, but when I have legumes, I get a lot of gas issues, and I, I don't generally get that anymore since going paleo, but as soon as I have them, my gut, my gut gets really bloated and I have some gas issues, which is not fun. And anyone with pleasant. kids is not going to be surprised to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows the little nursery rhyme, and you know, beans are good for your heart. And so you know, that's, that's a pretty well-known thing, I think, that beans and legumes can, can have that effect on your body. And and it's not a good thing. Like at the end of the day, that's that's not a good thing. It's a sign that you're not digesting well. I know, you know, on the wellness guys, we talk about this a lot because this is like Damien Christoph's absolute favorite topic. And he loves talking about poos and farts and all those kind of things. But it's, it's not normal and it's not a good thing. Yeah. And maybe we should kind of go back a step and talk about why these legumes are not designed to be eaten. So it's similar to wheat in the sense that yeah. these foods have this casing, right, essentially, which is their survival mechanism. So plants don't move, uh, they don't run away, so they have to have a way to survive. And the way that uh, grains, I guess, and also legumes survive is this protective coating that makes them indigestible to most, if not all, mammals. Um, and, and so consequently, that's why we have such a hard time digesting them. Now, I don't know if this is a good time or not, but that doesn't apply as much to things like green beans and peas because they're fresh, they're not dried, and they haven't, and they're young, so they haven't developed that casing yet to make them as indigestible. Yeah, I suppose the thing as well with just thinking about green beans, because we were talking about this before we started recording, is that when I eat green beans, I don't pull the beans out of the pod. I eat the pod with it. And so yeah. maybe there's something in there that helps us digest them better. Who knows? I'm, I'm <laughs> by no means taking uh, making that a scientific fact. I just have to wonder that because we're having them all together when they're still young and fresh, um, maybe that's better than waiting till they dry out and don't have the pod casing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, perhaps so, someone research it, please. Yeah. So there's look, there's other things, obviously, that are in the soy as well. So there's actually enzyme inhibitors in the soy. Um, so these actually inhibit a lot of the enzymes in our body that are designed to help us digest. So talking about things like lipase and protease, obviously, for digesting fats and proteins. Um, but a whole range of other enzymes as well are getting inhibited by that. Is that just in soy or legumes? No, I don't think I, that's legumes in general. It may well be legumes in general. I think that was in soy when I was researching, but it may well right. have been in legumes in general. Right. Um, and the other one is the goitrogens, which is a great word. I, I love that. I struggle to get that. No, goitrogens. And so they block the synthesis of our thyroid hormones, so those T3 and T4. And I tell you what, how many people are you running into in society now who are having issues with thyroid problems? Yeah, thyroid issues are huge. And so your thyroid has a lot to do with regulating your energy metabolism among many other things. So a low-functioning thyroid can mean increased weight gain, um, coldness, loss of hair, and a hyperthyroid, a thyroid that's functioning too much, um, can mean that you're just constantly on edge, very nervous, um, just very, very shaky, very like your muscles are always firing, very stressed, and also very slender, which is not a good thing either. Um, so, you know, it's important to have a properly functioning thyroid, and there's a whole lot of things out there that affect your thyroid function, and definitely your legs 
legumes are, are in that group. They're one of them. Uh, did we talk about um, things that are linked to soy consumption? We didn't, right? So some of the things that are linked to soy consumption, just jumping back to soy, is um, brain damage has been linked to soy yeah. consumption. That's a bit, that's a big kind one. of a big deal. Kind, yeah. kind of important. Um, kidney stones, which you know that's that's pretty prevalent out there. There's a lot of people with kidney stones. Yeah. Um, and you know if that's the case, if that's what you got, then then sometimes surgery seems to be the only option, and maybe looking at lifestyle and preventing that would be a, a better option. And that's certainly something that uh, we believe is especially as chiropractors and, and healthcare providers, that prevention is better than cure. Um, and it's really, you know, cutting out a kidney isn't a cure for kidney stones. It just means <laughs> that the organ that's damaged and injured isn't there to help you out anymore. Um, it is also linked to decreased immunity, which is not a good thing because we know, and we've spoken about before, that lowered immunity can be very well co correlated with cancer. Um, because it, it seems the more that we hear, and I was listening to a great TED Talk yesterday um, called can we starve out cancer? I think it was, I can't remember who it was. It was a, a, a doctor um, talking about the fact that everyone has cancer cells um, mm. all the time, which we know. And he was talking about angiogenesis, so blood supply to those cancer cells. But definitely another aspect of it is that we all have cancer cells all the time. And if our immune system is working correctly, it can recognize it and you know get rid of the damaging cells. But if our immune system is stressed out, not working properly, then we can't deal with it. And that's, that's a big cause of cancers. Can I make a completely unscripted jump here that, <laughs> sure. that I, I hope doesn't offend anyone, but I personally never grew up eating any of these things, all right? But if you look at, I, I don't know how to say this sensitively, but the profile of people who are eating these things, I think would predominantly be vegetarians and vegans and stuff. So is it possible that a lot of these links to diseases are maybe that they're lacking other things in their diet as well mm. because we've been taught that these these legumes and things are a really good source of protein um carbohydrate we find out that they're actually more a source of carbohydrate yeah, yeah. that's one of my pet peeves with legumes i'll talk about that yeah, yeah, I think it is an important point. That what we're saying is, look, there have been links drawn between soy and all of these things. We're not saying that, look, if you eat soy, you're definitely going to get brain damage, right? Yeah. That's just not how it is. But the fact that there's so many links drawn with so many of these major diseases tends to make us think, well, hey, maybe this isn't the best thing in terms of our diet. It's certainly not protecting us from those things and may even be contributing to those things. Yeah, and we've mentioned a few times before coming across these things that are called superfoods, and I think yeah. soy definitely fits into the category of yeah. something that's mm. been labeled a superfood. And and as we know, and I'm really scared that this is going to happen to coconut products, yeah. but, um, but as we know, when things are called superfoods, it just leads to people wanting to package it and market it and... And overuse it as well. Exactly, you know, It's all about balance it. in the diet. You know, the paleo diet, people think it's all about restriction and limitation. It's actually all about balance. It's about eating a really good balance of the healthy stuff, mm. you know? And so it's not about, well, let's just have soy or let's just have meat or let's just have veggies. You know, it's a good balance of all of those natural, unprocessed, whole foods that our bodies were designed and evolved to eat. Yeah, and there's not one food that's going to cure whatever you've got. Like no. yeah. like raw dairy, even if some people think it's great, it's not a cure, and neither is soy, and neither are goji berries, or you know chia seeds, or all of these things that have been linked again linked to all of these you know miraculous benefits benefits and and you know to be fair we do talk a lot about that kind of thing with coconut oil and grass-fed meat but 
at no point do we say like this one thing is going to cure anything that ails you. Yeah. So let's let's move on to perhaps fermented soy um, because we we spoke about that in terms of the Asian diets and and how we, you know how that they seem to do get some benefits from the soy and it certainly seems to be that the fermented soy may have some benefits at the very least doesn't have as many negatives yeah. as the unfermented soy which which really does seem to be well which is really a processed food and i would say an unhealthy food but the fermented soy so things like miso tempeh soy sauce um you've got to bear in mind though that that just because it says it's soy sauce on the supermarket shelf <laughs> doesn't mean that it's the traditional fermented soy sauce because a lot of the stuff we get now is actually unfermented processed stuff made to taste like fermented soy sauce. Yeah. So just be conscious of that. Make sure you're getting... If you are going to go this way and you want to do the fermented soy because it's not as bad as the unfermented soy, then you want to make sure that it's organic and that it's properly fermented. It's really important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I've got a friend who makes the most amazing fermented soy and it was just beautiful. And she said, vegetarian does a great job of it and it's just amazing. So not that I have that often. I think I had it once last year. But it was great. Yeah. <laughs> So let's just briefly, I touched on it briefly before, but just maybe the, the nutrient composition of these things. So we're told that we need to be getting more protein um, and that obviously a lot of people say red meat is bad, so people look towards lentils. Yeah, I know definitely. As we all know, I've had quite a history of dieting, so I was trying to find a protein source that was low in fat. And so, of course, the thing you come across time and time again is supplement with more beans, more pulses, more lentils, more legumes. Eat those because they're high protein. And when I finally looked at it, when I finally uh, understood that it's, uh, you know, for me, definitely there's a carb relationship for me and and weight gain. Um, When I looked at legumes and beans, um, they are predominantly carbohydrate right i always thought they were protein and that was all it was to it but they're not they're a they are higher in protein than say rice or wheat but they're still a carbohydrate um so they still when i tested it with my blood sugar monitor still elicited a high blood sugar they also as i said made me quite gassy so something to avoid for possibly a lot of people um but it's just I think it's a misrepresentation out there that we get told that it's a good protein source and it's a better protein source than rice, but it's not a good protein source by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And so I guess just, I'm going to jump back again, back to the yeah. fermented, because I think that's important so people would understand that the reason people say that fermented is a better source in terms of the soy is that it does help to reduce the phytic acid and mm. it does help to remove some of those anti-nutrients. So it actually means that it's not stopping your body from absorbing those nutrients, which is important. Um, the other one that you will sometimes hear is that it is actually decreasing the phytoestrogenic effect in the soy. Now, we've been doing a lot of research on this, and it, we've found both. There are some people suggesting that it increases the phytoestrogenic effect because it actually makes them more readily accessible for the body. There are others suggesting it decreases the phytoestrogenic effect. I think the answer to that is we don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know which one of those is actually true. Um, what we do know about soy, though, is that if you want to get the benefits, that soaking it isn't enough. So for other lentils, you can actually just soak them overnight and you'll get those some of those benefits. For soy, that's not enough. It actually does have to be fermented if you want to get those benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if we maybe talk about the preparation of all of these uh, legumes as well. So if you are going to eat these things, which again, is not something we recommend, but like we mentioned in the dairy episode, this is... A very small part of the paleo diet and maybe not the main part that anyone who's new to the diet should be focusing on but if you are still preparing these the um 
the cooking process can can make a big difference. So I know that um, if you boil some of these legumes, that a lot of the phytates kind of end up in the water, so you don't have to worry as much about the anti-nutrient stuff. And also the lectins are uh, supposedly lessened as well by the cooking. But honestly, these are foods that I never eat. I've made yeah. hummus with chickpeas once in my whole life. It was didn't turn out very well, but... Um, yeah. You know, I don't think any of us, this is a really big part of our diet. So like I said, this is a really small fraction of people who are still like, but I really want to eat my lentils. Yeah. And it makes sense. I'm sorry, jumping in on you there, Dr. Brett, but it makes sense that, um, soaking it would be a, a desirable way of preparing it. Cause I don't know anyone who's gone and made a lentil curry with no water in it at all. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it's just like you'd be chipping teeth left, right and center. So, um, it, that, that kind of makes sense that it would be a process that would have been done to those beans throughout the generations throughout the years. Yeah. And you know, having said that, you said that soy is only a really small part of the diet, but for lots of people, well, soy is actually a really big part of the diet. Oh, yeah. and they don't I know it. And I mean, for me, it's for you not personally, yeah. Eaten, and, yeah. And as Yana said, for a lot of people, they don't even know it. You know, soy is one of the number one things that's added into all sorts of food that you get at the supermarket to package, fill. It's like just a cheap Ice cream. substitute yeah, to gross. chuck into foods, to pat it out. Um, you know, it's in an amazing array of things. So, so don't think that soy is not something that people are eating a lot of because it, it, it's hidden in all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, and that's always one of like the first steps that I think I advise people to do is just start reading labels and becoming aware of what you're eating and you'll be shocked. You'll yeah. be shocked at the yeah. amount of sugar, wheat and soy and yeah. probably corn, corn that is in yeah. everything. Oh yeah, definitely corn Hidden and corn everywhere. Another... Corn has a lot of the same problems as this as well. Yeah, like definitely. it's the GMO, high pesticide... Yep. Double crop. Yep. Anyways, um, that's another issue. <laughs> but uh, we have one announcement to make just before the end of this episode. And I'm going to... Yeah, we're it's really, really excited. So I'm just going to let Yana make this exciting announcement. Yeah, it's very exciting to me because as you know, I have sort of an, an idol in the podcast world. He's just, just an absolute gem. Adore him. Uh, Jimmy Moore. We have been blessed with the opportunity of hosting an episode on Jimmy's podcast. Uh, the Live in La Vida Low Carb podcast, and that is going to air on the 8th of April, which is so exciting. And uh, not to give too much away, but we're going to be discussing the philosophy of why we do what we do. And it's an hour-long episode, which is cool. Yeah. You get even more, more of us. us, which is really exciting. So we can't wait for that episode to come out. We're so excited that we've been given that opportunity and just so grateful to Jimmy for what he does. Um, and what he, the, the information that he helps get out there. So it, it's a real um, an honor to be part of that. And where can people find that episode? Oh, uh, good question. iTunes. Oh, iTunes. <laughs> Thank you. Good, good answer. So yeah, make sure you subscribe <laughs> to us while you're there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from The Wellness Guys here. Wow, I'll tell you what. 
It's been electric since our first summit come to a close up on the Gold Coast and the wellness community wants more. Well, get ready because our next summit is coming to Melbourne and we'd love to have you come. The wellness guys, of course, will be there, plus the effervescent Up For A Chat girls, Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison and Karen Smith and some super special guests. It'll be 10 hours of powerhouse wellness that you don't want to miss. Simply go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. See you there.